Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Sunday morning special it is a, a big one. Everyone is sporting hangovers. You should see the state of us. Um, joined today by Matt. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, as you said, we a bit hungover, but yeah. So 4 a.m. bedtime? Bad. It was in the end with, yeah, a couple who just had a baby and don't get to go out often, so they take every opportunity. Yeah. So and please, uh, please let me go home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we don't have Alan with us this week, but we have found a very ample replacement. Uh, recently retired Scotland number eight, Johnny Beatty. Johnny, how are you, man? Again, a little bit hungover, but thank you very much for having me. <laughs> nice. Um, my bedtime was half 12, I think. Half 12, that's not too My bad. little cousins and little sister in London, which is a nice eye opener for me. Um, but not very good. Too late. Not too late. <laughs> and you're down there doing, you were doing some comms for BT, weren't you? Yeah, yesterday I was at the Stoop doing Harlequins against Clermont, which actually turned out to be a cracker of a game. Um, so it was easy to watch and easy to talk about. Um, and yeah, hopefully that'll be the first of a few more with BT and BBC over the Six Nations. Was, was, um, was Greek playing? He got off the bench for the last maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Kicking um, goals? He didn't have any goals to kick, but he closed out very well. You can always trust him to close out. And yeah, that's little what he general. does. <laughs> um, so, no, I think he was a bit, dis- bit disappointed not to get more game time. Yeah. Um, but the little man, Morgan Parra, was, was doing quite well, so they left him on. Mm. It's a decent setup of scrum halves down at Claremont, to be fair. They got about 12. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just, signed, they just signed Sebastian Bezzi as well, which I think oh, really? was what snookered Grieg in the end. They, yeah. Yeah. they thought Parra was trying to get out of his contract. Um, so they heaped loads. Of, I think he's still got two years to go on his contract. Um, Who does Greek? No, Para. Oh, Para. Um, and so he was moaning and pissing and moaning and wanting away. So they signed Sebastian Bezzi, who's also Gif, and gave him wads of cash. And uh, <laughs> then I think snookered Greek, um, because obviously he's not Gif. Yeah. Even though he doesn't have that, that job. French qualified. Yes. Yeah, so Gif so okay. is their equivalent of EQP or oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, English qualified, Scottish yeah. qualified. Um, yeah. And they're actually getting much tighter on the restrictions. They have to have much more of their, yeah, um, yeah. their team needs to be Gif, um, which is where the sort of middle market mm. guys like me is done. Um, <laughs> middle market. <laughs> exactly. It's now you're the rock star and you get there and you get a massive contract, but the middle market's fallen out. So it's all yeah. about young French kids developing yeah. them, which actually is going to be great for the French team. Um, and it's that way in every other country. So yeah, yeah. it's about time they, they caught up really. Watching a bit of um, Leon Northampton yesterday and completely forgotten that Sam Dago Klein's playing at Leon at the moment. Yeah, he's been around. Like a few um, French clubs, it seems. I think he was at Racing 92 yeah. at the start of the year. Um, I think he jumped out of Scarlet's midway through a contract. Yeah. Um, he so went, to, went to Quinn's for a couple of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. So he, he's been around and, and sort of ducking around trying to find something permanent. Um, 
But he's actually been doing pretty well. The games that I've watched, like he's still nippy, aggressive, controls the game well, yeah. goal kicks well when he's got the chance. So, um, so hopefully he'll nail down something a bit more permanent over, over the yeah. next couple of months. Yeah. So hell of a player. Well, it was a big day in European rugby yesterday. Big wins for Edinburgh and Glasgow, um, which we will come on to talk about a little bit. But big news, I suppose, over the last few days since we were last with you. Um, your old pal Richie Gray heading back to Glasgow. Um, yep, my old mate. Bit of, bit of good news for the SRU in a tough week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Um, and I think if you'd spoken to Richie maybe four or five years ago, it's something that probably would never have happened. But circumstances changed. He's just had a little boy. Um, you'll be looking forward to getting back to Glasgow, getting help from both sets of grandparents, which I think mm. quite a few of us can relate with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it'll be good for him. He's a, had a couple of tricky years with injuries. He'll be glad to get away from French medical staff, get properly looked after. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see him back in a Scotland shirt. I mean, I think that's what yeah, everyone's yeah. hoping for because he is world-class when, yeah, he's, when he's yeah. playing well. So yeah. I really hope that he gets back and we get to see him playing with his brother in, in, yeah, in, yeah. in the blue of Scotland. How, how is he... How is he perceived in, in France over his years there? An absolute monster. Oh, really? I absolutely love him. Yeah. Um, obviously, the physical attributes that we know and love, like he's absolutely massive. He's huge. He's strong as an ox. We did, again, stupid stories, but we did like rowing times with Scottish rugby years ago. He yeah. set the British record for the amateur. <laughs> like he's a freak. Seriously. Physically, he's an absolute freak. <laughs> yeah. And so out in France, you've got a guy that's a monster. He's huge. They love big land mammals out there and he's one of them um <laughs> he controls a line out well he's got a work rate of a back row yeah, yeah. like he's a freak yeah. um so it'll be great for, for for scottish rugby to have him back great for glasgow as well mm. um and yeah hopefully he can stay fit next year and, and do some damage hang on to nakarara and that's a decent second row pairing for glasgow next freakish. season freakish <laughs> nakarara was so good yesterday you forget how good he is i kind of worried slightly that maybe like he wasn't maybe as good as he was a year ago or so and it was going to maybe be a bit of a... No, he's unreal. You know, it was just... He's freakish. Like, and, and again, the the consistency with which he is unreal. I mean, he's been playing like that for racing, racing, sorry, week in, week out for at least two years. He has been a machine, you know, European Player of the Year, yeah. World Cup, the same. Um, and I think at the end, you know, like the story came out that he... Again, different lives. This guy was back in Fiji building a house for his dad and came yeah. back two weeks late for work. Um, and there's just a different value set that these guys have. They're amazing human beings. Mm. And I think towards the end, he's probably a bit sick of it harassing as well because it can be a strange and toxic environment. Yeah. And previously, Glasgow looked after him really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he absolutely loved it at Glasgow. That's why he essentially has chosen to come back yeah. to Glasgow because he could have gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah he would have had um, offers from all yeah, He's one place, of the yeah. best players in the world. So yeah. the fact that he's come back is a real boost mm. um, and just shows how well Scottish rugby looks after its boys, really. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, yeah, Glasgow winning absolutely at a canter yesterday, 45 points to seven. I think that is a, that's an official pumping, we can call that. I yeah. think once you go over 30 points of a win, that is a serious... Away, away as well. Away yeah. from home. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Sale were playing like they're under 15s or something yeah. like that. But they still had like both the Curry brothers, John and Ross, that's like yeah. almost their first choice back row. Um, I thought it was Ashton Solomon. Some real sort of well-timed performances for Scotland in Scotland perspe uh, perspective. Uh, Richie's brother Johnny looked every bit the second mm. row that Exeter are going to be wanting him to be next year. Huge carries. Um, I thought Fraser Brown had a really good game. Yeah. Super abrasive. I think he'll be mm. probably number one choice ahead of Rambo when we come be to that Ireland game. Yeah, be interesting. I don't really know. As we said last week, it's sort of a bit of a toss-up. Like they're both such good players that. I think they're I'd be both happy world to class. See, I'd yeah. be happy to see either, you know. But maybe McAnally is more of like a an impact player if you are going to bench one of them. I don't, My concern I don't with know. Fraser Brown is that occasionally he can see red. I think he's got more, he's a bit more mental I than McAnally. That, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe but we need a bit more of that. You never know. He just well, might, he might do it. a high shot in like the first minute of the Ireland game. You're like, see you later. Thanks yeah. very much. It was against England a few years ago when he took Daly out, out late. That's when we got pumped by 60 and took him. Yeah, that was, Not that it was all his fault. But. No. And then actually George yeah. Turner came off the bench as we were saying just off air. Like He's an absolute freak as well. Like To have those three hooker options at Scotland level is, is very, very good. Yeah. Um, and then I, wa I watched a bit of the Edinburgh game, which was a pretty turgid affair. Four tries for Darcy Graham. <laughs> yeah. Agen were like, not up to much. 
But Edinburgh just couldn't Ajem take were, advantage. Ajem were out of, out of contention, weren't yeah. they? Well, they've got no interest at all. Yeah. <laughs> They're really battling in top 14 as well, so they put out a bomb squad. Really? So that was Edinburgh knew. Even last week, they were like, right, even if we just you know stick in decent performance in Bordeaux, but we know if we smash Ajem, we should go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ajem, nothing to play for. Really battling in yeah. top 14, eggs in a completely different basket. So Yeah. And Edinburgh have got Bordeaux now in the quarters of the Challenge yeah, Cup. That's the th- third game against them this season. Yeah, but it will be so. I, I did that game for BBC um, last week, two yeah. weeks ago. It'll be a different proposition. Like that was Bordeaux's absolute first string. Mm. Um, Edinburgh without McAnally, without Toulouse, yeah, um, without Gilchrist. It's serious lineup issues. So I reckon if they go over there with a semi-serious platform and, and get the lineup, yeah. it'll be a, di- a different game completely. It looked like a pretty hostile place to play it's an awesome place like it, they look like a proper like French cauldron yeah it's great fun um, there's so many of them like really again every French environment is different it's almost like a carnival it's, <laughs> it's hard to explain unless you go and play but British support is quite you know kick and clap and yeah, quite yeah, polite yeah, words yeah. like French support is wild yeah. um, and it's a seriously mean atmosphere so um I mean, it, it can be intimidating, but you just have to embrace it. It's yeah, so it must much be fun. amazing. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, we went down to the Edinburgh Toulon game in the uh, yeah, Champions Cup last year. The one where it was like tear gas all over the place, gilets <laughs> jaunes yeah. all over. The yeah, place. that's intimidating. And it, was Alan, mental. it was mental. Alan and I were sitting in the the end of the absolute ultra. This is a lad just like pulls out a bottle of red wine, twenty fags. <laughs> Here he goes. Like, just had like the time of his life sitting next. It's a completely different experience. It is, but then. Again, they're town-based support. So, again, I played for Bayon laterally. It's a population of 40,000 people. Our average attendance was 12,000. I was cast before then. The population, I think, is 38,000. Average attendance, 15,000. Like, you realise that the town empties. They just down tools. Yeah. They're not up for working. They want to go watch the rugby. Yeah, that's amazing. So the support is unreal. And especially in these small towns where there's not much going on, rugby kind of makes the town tick. Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool to be part of I always find that with Cast actually like the amount of success they've had considering it is such a small place like yeah seem to punch above their weight massively but again you have to understand how they're funded so right. like each different team is, is funded by a massive company either one man or a huge company okay. so um, Cast is Pierre Fabre which is a pharmaceuticals laboratory right and it pumps in like 30 million euros every year wow. and it has done for a long time so yeah, tiny population doesn't produce that much in homegrown talent, although they've got a couple of guys who come through recently that are right, really yeah. good. Um, but the money that is chucked into these places to get mm. overseas talent is next level. Yeah, because Claremont's Michelin, isn't so it? So Claremont's yeah. Michelin, like examples, Claremont's Michelin, cast as Pierre Fabre, um, there's Bougelal in Toulon. Yeah. Um, Altrad Montpe- Montpellier, Montpellier you've got yeah. Altrad which is he owns all the French rugby, doesn't he? Um, well, that's <laughs> but, it. It's yeah. completely right. I'm not sure if you saw like the their salary cap scandal that came out two months ago? No. No, I think so. So, so out there, it's the LNR, so the league that regulates the salary. Yeah. So they tried to go to Altrad and say, look, you're over. Here's a 3 million euro fine. Uh, here's a slap on the wrist. Don't do it again kind of thing. Yeah. But Altrad also sponsors the French Federation. So you notice that he's yeah, it's on the, the jumper. Yeah, on the front of the Exactly. Jumper, yeah. So he gives oh, them yeah. 35 million each year. <laughs> so he's got fingers and put you like foot in both camps. And so FFR turned over his fine and was like, no, you can just pay 90,000 euros. Just don't do it again, please. <laughs> so it's completely <laughs> corrupt. Unreal. So you're seeing the, like, the fallout of Saracens and what's yeah. happening. But then if you look just across the channel, it is unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Something quite likably French about that, though. <laughs> yeah. And they just don't care. They're not going <laughs> to Yeah, care. Right, like. <laughs> um, Yeah. So it's completely different. And I don't know how it's going to change. But again, going back, like the game I did yesterday, the depth that Claremont have. Yeah. They got essentially three fifteens that they could stick out. Yeah. Against Quinns who, you know, fought pretty hard, but mm. like young Academy boys against yeah, yeah, seasoned yeah. internationals. Yeah. Um and yeah, France is just crazy. The way the amount of money there is flying about these clubs, the depth they have is frightening. Yeah. And we're very much in the hands of French clubs today. At time of recording, we're Sunday morning. uh, Glasgow are hoping for a Toulouse win and a Racing 92 win later on today so they can grab that eighth position in the the Heineken Cup. Obviously, everything going... Who would they go to if they do go through? Top seed, who is... I don't know. I don't know. Leinster, I think. Oh, Jesus. So, (laughs) thanks very much. The last two times, they always got Saracens and then... Yeah, I think Leinster. Yeah, I think Leinster are top, and I think Leinster. Well, they were Benetton. Well, actually, Exeter through with twenty-seven points, which is about as many as you mm. can get. Mm. 
I feel like Exeter is sort of more winnable than Leinster. Leinster slightly. are a joke. We're still really tough. They're insane. But, but then yeah. also you've just played Exeter twice recently, so you sort of know them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly, and done pretty well. Um, you know you can get yeah under the so skin. You, don't know, you can sneak it, definitely. Yeah. Tick if you've got Hoggy deliberately missing penalties to <laughs> to keep it tight yeah. in the last uh, in, trust. Yeah. in the last game. It'll be interesting to see what how Saracens are faring this afternoon after official relegation. Yeah. Uh playing against Racing. You would think they're kind of that team that are gonna want to go and like they'll go and want to win that and then do some really abrasive after match commentary, be like, We love this club, yeah. fuck all of you. Yeah. It's interesting though, I think all of English rugby is waiting for them to implode. They're waiting for something, yeah, just yeah. some yeah. piece of shit to hit the fan and for the whole thing to implode. Um, again, like with the BB, the sorry, the BT and the Channel 4 boys yeah. yesterday, they're just, just shouting, strip them, strip them, <laughs> like their clothes, not their titles, just <laughs> throw fruit. Like they just, honestly, the amount of resentment that's flying around the English yeah, before them. Yeah. Now, now that everyone's aware and everyone... Now that it's happening, yeah. Um, so do, you think be that would, do you think that f- would feed into say like an, an England camp when it comes to the Six well, Nations it's toxic isn't it I don't know like you, is, is someone like for example Danny Kerr has been like really vocal about it yeah. and he might not be in that England squad but there must be other people who feel the same way 100% it's much more easy to be vocal when you stopped so like yesterday you're with Hugo Monyes and Dave Strattle and um, Dylan Hartley and they again retrospectively even if you strip them you've robbed people of that yeah. feeling of winning that celebration yeah. with your family, you know, presentation, getting on the pitch with your kids. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. So there's just the kind of feeling that the past five years has just been tarnished completely by the way they've operated. So um, there's loads of rumors flying around like other, other chief execs of the premiership teams are saying, look, we're not going to take any Saracens players. Mm. We're going to let them rot. Um, so it's poisonous in quite a few different senses yeah. so yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see the fallout over the next few weeks yeah, um, and definitely. it's it's not going to be easy and again going to England camp it's going to be horrible I don't I don't care what people I think say about the, the extra lads because Rob Baxter and the the extra chief exec have been yeah. sort of leading the charge like, and they're yeah. going to make up big chunks of the England squad Saracens plus Exeter yeah but again, I think everyone's just had an awareness whether it's speaking to the Saracens boys about how it's been done or speaking to agents or Speaking to other clubs that's trying to negotiate with agents, everybody's known for so long. Um, yeah. Although interesting, like we see this week, Jamie Roberts is off to South Africa, and you say, right, well, why is mm-hmm. that happening? So yeah, there's obviously a few other teams that are being audited, and they're having to sort of duck around a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So yeah, um, if it's lit a fire under everyone, then that's great. But hopefully, you know, it should change oh, fairly soon. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. What surprises me honestly is just it's taken that long to be regulated. It shows how amateur the process is kind of still is, yeah. Like it's 10 yeah. to 50, when did yeah. we start? 1995, salary caps came in a long time ago. It's taken 10 years for whoever's regulating to get on top yeah. of it and actually find out what's happening. That's the bit that I found crazy. And I think even Premiership Rugby haven't been very transparent in like releasing the whole report, for example, and, and actually almost saying like they are guilty of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And the fact that they've now come back with like another points deduction makes me think that it was all sort of they were almost making it up as they went along in terms of how they were yeah. going to, to sanction them. I think Premier Rugby have really, they've dealt with it. They're basically like submarine. The chief exec didn't make a statement for what, like two months? And then tomorrow he's like, actually, they're now relegated. Yeah, and that was exactly. it. The it first was report essentially came out saying Saracens didn't mean to mislead people. But now you read it that, you know, they're looking at having to shave over two million quid off yeah. their... Um, off their salary cap mm. and come on there's no way that they thought surely Saracens didn't think they were doing that you know accidentally do you think the SOU would be looking at people like Maitland Taylor people like that to bring them give them, them a bit of a life or? raft I mean potentially I think English rugby so we talked about why touched on the fact that I think that they're going to be roadblocked by a lot of English clubs mm. so there's an opportunity for these guys to be picked up and probably on the cheap but Again, other markets are really hard. Um, a lot of recruitment's already done. Like yeah, we talked yeah. earlier, like the Gif market is much harder to break into now. Yeah. To get yeah. into France is actually much harder than it was five years ago. So there's an opportunity for Scottish rugby to get some of the guys back and look after them. Sean Maitland, Duncan Taylor, great examples. Um, but the sort of depth of talent that we have in the centre position already in Scottish yeah. rugby yeah. in yeah. Scotland is fairly hefty. So yeah, yeah. Um, but then I guess Duncan Taylor, great guy, also can play pretty much anywhere so yeah, yeah. could be a good addition and Sean Maitland again like on their day both I suppose Glasgow kind of need need a fullback at the moment so like Maitland yeah. would be I would say Maitland seem, makes like more a great, sense a great than Taylor fit, at the moment 
Because yeah, you can look at Edinburgh, Edinburgh like sort of five or six deep at centre with like very decent options. Like mm. George Taylor had another cracking game mm. yesterday for yeah. Agen. And then you've got Matty Scott, Mark Bennett yeah, coming back fit yeah, now. Yeah. Um, guys that I know really well, it's good to see them back fit and playing yeah. well. So yeah. yeah, first time in a long time for this many Scottish centres yeah, fit it's mad. and playing as well as they are. Well, yeah, and I suppose another area of extreme depth um, for Scotland at the moment, back row, your specialty. You look at that squad that was announced la- last week. Who would you be putting in that six, seven, eight um, for the first game against Ireland in a couple of weeks? Um, so I really enjoy Jamie Ritchie. Yeah, yep. I love watching that kid play. He's, he's great. awesome. Yeah, I love Hamish Watson. Mm. Uh, like absolute pinball, just like a wrecking ball yeah, for the size that he is. Yeah, um, he's a freak, and he's a good a good bloke as well. Great, great guy to have around your right. team. Um, eight position for me is interesting. Like I, re- I really enjoyed Matty Fagerson. I thought he was yeah. really unlucky not to go to the World Cup. I think yeah, he just picked yeah. up a rib injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So he hasn't been named, but he would have been my first choice. Oh yeah, interesting. I've really enjoyed watching him. Yeah, um, just think he adds a little point of difference. He's abrasive, um, and yeah, I've also quite enjoyed watching Luke Crosby, like a guy that not many people know about. Yep. Um, yep. but I was quite. Yeah, he's coming uh, through. Yeah, and I thought it was quite cool to see him and, and Gregor obviously flipping the sort of experienced squad that he went for that didn't quite get things done at the World Cup for mm. some fresh faces who actually been sticking their hands up at clubs. So no. What do, what do you think of Bradbury as the? Because I mean, he's obviously a front runner for absolute meathead. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of similar to Dent, to David Denton, sort of predecessor. Just yeah, you know, really physical, abrasive. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if he's a six or an eight. Like I really, like, I think Jim Ritchie's got a real all round skill set. Like, yeah, a good yeah. footballer, which I love. Yeah, um, and Magnus gives you grunt. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He's a serious, serious, seriously big boy. Yeah. Um, so that kind of yeah. blend. Um, my first choice would have been Matty Fagerson. Obviously, he's now. Yeah, yeah. Out, but then that's how you got to look at guys like Magnus coming in doing a job now. Mm. Probably, look, Tom Gordon actually had a very good game yesterday. Yeah, I kind of add something like a bit different that I imagine a lot of other Six Nations sides won't know much about him as well. So maybe he's another kind of interesting bench option. What does it? What does it? Obviously, you've been in a number of Six Nations camps at this stage. So that's a what a squad of thirty-eight. You know, what, starting fifteen, then a twenty-three on the day. What are the coaches looking for in that wider group? Like, what's the you, sort of atmosphere? You've got no idea. <laughs> Honestly, you've got no idea. So you, yeah. So Gregor will know his team already. Yeah. But we don't have a clue. So you're in and you really? train the house down. Well, you go in and you've got training sessions. It's 15 on 15. There's team templates to learn, lineups to learn. Yeah. Everybody's getting mixed in. And gradually yeah. as it goes on, you get a feel of, right, these people will be mixed in a little bit more often. So probably... Yeah. Do you read into like every like mini game selection every time you're given a bib or not of given a bib? Of course you do. Yeah. Of course you do. And serious <laughs> resentment builds up really quickly. Um, but there's also, you know, different coaches do it different ways. Um, a lot of coaches would have like units. They'd have like props would stick together but change with hookers and then you'd be 15 on 15 but the second rows would be different and constantly changing. And yeah. it's great when they keep you guessing because when you go in and there's a 15 that's starting and you yeah, know yeah, yeah. everyone loses interest really quickly. Mm. Um, yeah. As much as you want to be there and help the team get them through their training sessions, be the best opposition for them and best fodder really as you mm. can be, you want to be playing yeah, that of sort of individual horrible yeah. drive that everyone has. Yeah. And selfishness, you want to be playing. Um, mm. And how so, much sort of new stuff will Gregor be trying to bring in to this group, like new plays or new sort of systems? Because he only has, what, two weeks ahead yeah, a of a couple, major tournament? Not not really. Not like They've got a template they play with that hasn't changed since he's come in yeah um so in sort of unstructured face play if they get a touchline it'll always look a certain way mm-hmm. generally most teams now at pro level play in it the exact same template mm. um it's just the little details that you can have yeah. to, to to mix around with that make a difference um you might be looking at different starter plays so different strike moves um coming out the back of malls different things for your backs off first face scrums those mm. kind of things but actually there's not going to be that much changing um and then it's just how you change kick strategy, little different yeah. things depending on yeah. opposition. Um, Would they ever do a specific training session on restarts? Because that is seems to be an area where Scotland disproportionately fuck up or give or away receiving. ball. Receiving yeah. restarts. So it's, like, it's, not, it's a unit session, so you do yeah. that at the end of a session. So if you've got, like generally what happens, that's not something that you do during yeah. a session, but you get like, Adam Hastings will stay behind and he'll like practice his dropouts. Yeah. Johnny over there with his pod, Johnny Gray or Richie yeah, Gray, yeah, yeah. they'll practice their takes. Um I don't know. I haven't noticed them stuffing up loads recently. Really? A little bit. I think it's been. His, I think they've got better at it. To be fair. Yeah. But it seems, from a sort of fans' perspective, for a while, that score a try and then the kickoff would be 
like not on, not on and not taking on the so, yeah, that's like that. so all coaches will talk about the conversion of a try is when your 10's knocked over the conversion you've gathered the restart ball and you've punted at 50 meters oh i see right so that like that's that, the that's, completed that is your task it's like once yeah. you, like to complete a try you have to oh, finish yeah yeah um but it's actually one of the hardest skills in rugby people i people don't yeah it's really hard <laughs> well, to, to coordinate particularly now that players are lifted well, like exactly that, well, especially looks, and you're coordinating two props that don't know what they're doing and you've got to yeah. time it <laughs> wind all these things like the yeah. ball's traveling a long distance and yeah. it's one of the hardest skills in rugby without doubt i think as well if you're if you're the team kicking off, you have the advantage because you're not static. You're chasing the ball. Yeah. And it's actually easier to like try and get it back rather than taking it, you know, standing still or trying to get into that lifting position. Yeah. It's possibly the most isolating part of rugby where yeah. you feel the most exposed. Yeah. Is receiving a kickoff. Yeah. So whether you're a number eight catching it by yourself, but somebody put some serious hang time onto a ball or your second row jumping with props, you're like, right, let's just get this right <laughs> and get down the other end of the pitch yeah. because you know everyone's looking. It's that one skill that counts, yeah. and you've got to get it right. What was your take on the on the World Cup in Japan from the Scotland perspective? Um, oh, it was really harsh, um, and I think a lot of people have got a lot of flack mm. um, being removed and not being attached to Scottish rugby. You know, living in France the past eight years you realise the size of the country that we have, the population, the amount yeah. of pro players that we have, and you start to realise how up against it and how the odds are stacked mm. against yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so don't get me wrong, I think Gregor's done an amazing job. Right. People were calling for his head, yeah. but you look at the way he gets the team moving, the way we were before, so before Gregor, how turgid we were, mm. like when I played attack, it was so blunt. Yeah. Um, and I think he's really challenged you know, an evolving group of players and done some pretty amazing things with them. Yeah. They had a run of Murrayfield. They didn't lose for 15 games, 14 games. I can't remember last time that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the way he's got them playing, the fact that he beat England at Murrayfield, I mean, when you look at, in the context of what you're playing against, yeah. that's insane. Yeah, yeah. Then to go yeah. down to Calcutta Cup, turn things around at halftime, get the Calcutta Cup back yeah. and get back up the road insane the fact that you beat france when you see how big a population mm. two fully professional leagues yeah. the amount of kids that play the game yeah um i think he gets a lot out of the players i really do and i think that he's brought through again people under Vern were saying oh Vern, great coach i think people would like to see Vern again but you essentially were playing with gregor's template and the people that he had taught and brought through at glasgow, glasgow Finn and, Hoggy. Yeah. Yeah, and it was them that were rocking under Vern. so i, I think gregor's done an amazing job um I think they'd be really daft to let him go because he's the best Scottish coach we've had in a generation without yeah. a doubt and people were judged on results of the World Cup okay I agree but it wasn't just us that lost to Japan in the group stages mm. Ireland the number yeah, one yeah, team in yeah, the world yeah, lost yeah. as well yeah, you look yeah. at the context of what's happening in Japan two fully professional leagues population 126 million people each mm. team backed by Coca-Cola Samsung Panasonic Yamaha some of the biggest companies in the world yeah um, they've got all the best coaches from Super Rugby over there mm. like they are developing some serious serious kids so yeah. um, I think you know it was disappointing obviously nobody wanted to go out I was heartbroken as much as the next yeah. Scott but um, you know Japan are a serious prospect yeah, yeah, they've yeah. changed massively I think, that, I think that's a really interesting point I think the result that annoyed me much more than the Japan game was the Ireland game where we just seemed to not manage to fire a shot yeah. like we know we play Ireland every year Ireland pretty much they've got their template we kind of know what that is and it kind of felt that they just knew how to beat Scotland and we didn't really add anything more in that match mm. whereas actually I thought we played really well against Japan I thought there were sections of that game which were our best in the tournament yeah. scored some really great tries and you know the comeback was on for you know a couple of minutes it was see I think looking from a strategy perspective the only thing that I would have changed um would have been I would have kicked a little bit earlier out of our third or our 40 yeah. meters and just gotten down the other end of the pitch. That's the only thing because it looked to me we held ball, actually did really well, got down the other end. When we got down there, we looked absolutely shagged. Um, yeah, it would have been yeah. the only, that would have been the only thing in the two games, or like a little bit of change in strategy. But like globally, there's not much else we could have changed. Honestly, we talked about them a little bit earlier. What what impact would that have on a squad flipping your captain for that last game? Because obviously Rambo squad captain and then Fraser Brown took the shirt for the Japan game. What sort of impact does that have on a wider squad? 
Well, for, firstly, it's hugely cruel on Stuart. Um, yeah. And it must have been heartbreaking. Mm. Um, so I think there's a few boys in there that would have had a serious job in getting around him and rallying around him and making mm. sure he was okay. So, um, look, it's a massive call to make. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, again, being removed, it just looked like it didn't know if Gregor knew what his best team was. Yeah. Um, that was the kind of feeling that I got, and not just on Stuart, but quite a few other positions as well. Mm. So actually quite a lot of faith put in people or older heads that had done a job and then when it came to firing shots just nothing happened yeah um, and that's why you've got this massive transition now with a lot of young kids coming in and, and those guys are gone so um it was really hard on Stuart um and that's it I think for me it just looked like there's a bit of uncertainty and I think for probably in the boys in the camp as well they'd be like well, yeah Gregor doesn't know what he wants yeah. maybe um which gives a little bit of uncertainty yeah so what um how many Scotland coaches coached you and what were sort of the, who was like your favourite? And Jeez. Um, um, Matt Williams. Oh, you had Matt Williams. So he was your favourite <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> Matt Williams, Frank Haddon. So what was wrong with Matt Williams? He just, he just didn't get it. Like he didn't understand what like sort of playing for Scotland was all about and seemed like he wrapped but, people up the wrong honestly, way. Honestly, we're going back a long time. Um, but seriously condescending. Yeah. Um, um, seriously condescending. I, I don't think I played under Matt. I don't right. think I got capped. But just from the environment, I just didn't get the guy. But it's gone back a long time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it could be wrong. So Matt Williams to Frank Haddon. Mm -hmm. Frank, good, like good man, gave me my first cap. Yeah. Um, like a good bloke, like easy yeah. to work for. It was my first experience of sort of template based on a structure of how you play an attack which okay. I hadn't experienced before everything was really multi-option yeah. do what you want um, so Frank Haddon then Frank Haddon who after Frank Haddon Robinson Robbo um, so again very good but again so each of these different guys you sort of took little bits of mm. what you enjoyed and then how you'd apply that to your, your next job yeah. so Robbo again great at setting an environment setting a tone making really? you feel part of something yeah. even as an Englishman you know mm. coaching yeah, Scotland yeah, yeah, which yeah. Again, must have been tricky and was good fun to, to joke about, but um, great at setting an environment. A little bit almost old school teachery, right? Um, sometimes, and the detail in the rugby wasn't there, right. um, but good at managing a group, good at managing people. Um, but the rugby that we actually produced was yeah. not the best. I would it seemed say. like both like Haddon and Robinson when they came in, there was like a kind of immediate like boost. So I think when Haddon's first game against France, when we beat them, yeah, when Sean Lamont scored twice, and we hadn't done that in ages. And England as well, like, too. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. And then um, we always, uh, under Robinson, I think it seemed like we always used to, probably not the best games, but at least push England really close. They were always tight, tight games. Quite yeah. a hard so there team was, to there was beat. a lot of spirit and a lot of heart, so you felt you, you were fighting hard. Mm. And like, yeah. I felt defensively we were quite well organised, we were quite hard to break down, but mm. then when we got the ball, we were a bit blunt, we didn't really, yeah, yeah. Didn't really test teams. Yeah. Um, whereas if you had like a, a Gregor template or you were mm. coached that different way in attack, you, mm. you could have dismantled teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would have been, so Robo, that would have been his strong point was looking after people. Um, after Robo, um, Scott Johnson? Scott Johnson, yeah, I was just going to say. Um, He's done well. <laughs> so, But Scott came in purely purely as a favour I think the Scottish rugby yeah. so you come in as, as a, for a different job um, and they couldn't get Vernon Times so they're like yes so can you take over yeah, and yeah. do this for us as a favour until yeah. Vernon comes in um, and again so I'd been cast out into the wilderness by Robbo Jono really nicely brought me back in when I was out in Montpellier mm. um, and so yeah it was just great to be back involved back in, yeah, to yeah, come yeah, back yeah. in Scotland yeah. Um, yeah. and play a few more games um, and then my last games were under Vern. So Vern was really, again, really simplistic in his game plans. He'd had great coaches around him. So in Claremont, his assistant was Joe Schmidt. Yeah. Probably yeah. one of the best coach in the world with Gats. Um, so he was really simplistic, really psychological, would really sort really? of dial into how opposition would perceive us, um, the perception of Scots people, how we should feel about how our country and wow. um, he was really good that way. Yeah. Um, old school. I like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's it. I think also he got the benefit of a lot of the work that Gregor was doing um, at Glasgow with, sure, with yeah. the way they were playing. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. So I, I never, that, my last cap I think was under Vern. Oh, really? Um, I never got a phone call from Gregor, even though I think he's the best one. So. <laughs> oh, Gregor. I know. So take us back. You made your debut for Glasgow when you were what, 18 years old. 
Would that have been it? 18 was that was young. A, yeah. At Hewenden? <laughs> yeah, at Hewenden. Um, How many people were watching? Five. <laughs> Three of those were family members. Yeah. Um, no, it's changed hugely. But that, that's the amazing thing about coming back now or watching Glasgow Edinburgh on the TV is how far it's come. Yeah. Um, like Hewenden, again, all you could smell was fish and chips and beer yeah. and fags. <laughs> and then Firhill was completely, it was empty. We were playing, There was. I remember a game we played, I think, in front of 900 people. Oh my God. At Firhill. And um, you just thought, geez, where's this going? Um, so see the strides that they have made as a team, Glasgow now, and where they've gone. Um, it's amazing to see how far Scotland, they're probably going to further develop Scotland now. Yeah. yeah. And because it needs it, because they're sold out every week. That's amazing, yeah. Amazing atmosphere, great for the players. Who, um, was, who was sort of right at the heart of that, bringing forward Glasgow, mm. like pulling it up by its bootstraps, really? Because, I mean, they were swilling it, around it, the bottom of the Celtic League. In what sense? Well, I suppose... Um, yeah. I mean, who, who was sort of dri- driving maybe like the the change in the coaching or the change in the, I suppose, like the infrastructure that helped the club be successful? Well, the things we were, t- we were tied into leases um, with Hewington and with Firhill. Um, I think you have to credit a lot with Mark Dodson. Like when, when, I, when I left, Scottish Rugby was in masses of debt still. Mm, um, yeah. So the fact that they've managed to develop infrastructures drive up attendance the performance side of the business is flying compared to where it was you know we've now won the pro 14 two teams with cockerel dave rennie formerly with gregor competing harder than they've ever competed before when i left we i remember a year that glasgow edinburgh and the borders were the bottom three in the then magnus league League. like it was almost shameful Mm, yeah so the strides that have been made in scottish rugby have been amazing um and that's one of the things I've loved being out in France and, and looking back and Watching seeing where the game's yeah. gone. The popularity, the participation, the crowd, the buzz that everyone gets yeah. off it. It's, it's great. It's amazing to see. So then you left Glasgow, you say 20, 2012? Yes, I went out to Montpellier in 2012. 2012. Okay, um, sorry, just go back. Sorry, to Gla- what, what were you sort of your, the, the highlights from those years yeah. in Glasgow that you like look back on and think those were like great days, great moments? People. Yeah. Like the people that you played with. Um, the league as well was great fun. So you were constantly flying to Belfast or to Cardiff for away games. Yeah. Um, you'd get a down day afterwards so you could celebrate if you had a good win. Yeah. Um, that's really different in France where you bus everywhere. So there's no budget for planes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like you finish a game at nine at night and you get back to your house at six in the morning on a bus. Oh, um, so the people like made great friends. Yeah. Super interesting people, great people to work with and for. Um, obviously you're growing up kind of with 50 mates like yeah. Yeah. it's almost like you're at school and it just never stops which yeah, is really yeah. weird <laughs> um but you're in a professional environment you're working hard you're growing up yeah. um and that's it they're all different kinds of lessons and good people good coaches that completely change the performance side of it and also the culture yeah there's a massive emphasis on you know kpis and what you do on a pitch and tackle completion and yeah but then they sort of almost and it was sean lenin i think started it way back then it was almost trying to take people on like a humanistic journey so mm. how can we change our values what can we actually do off mm. the pitch how can we engage with our community and um, to really drive standards and, and i think that was where the difference was made and then gregor came in the way the team played changed differently culture was already right down a good path yeah and then two three years later they they win the pro 14 mm. so it was really cool to be part of the initial stages, even though some of it was really dodgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Firhill and but it was great to be part of the sort of the super early stages, and I'm really proud now of, of where they've all gone. Yeah. They've done an amazing job. I think the culture thing in Glasgow is massive as well because that is a football town, like absolutely. But now, you, as we say, you know, you're getting ten thousand people into Scotland yeah, every every week, it. and they did it what ten times in a row last season or something like yeah, that. Looking at growth, amazing. like when you would have thought Rangers and Celtic, that absolutely cannibalised that whole market for sport on mm. the West Coast. I was reading your Wikipedia this morning, actually. You played Rangers youth football? Or somebody's lying so, about it on there. So I messed around. <laughs> and So my sister's a professional footballer. Yeah, she, she plays, yeah, for, she plays for, City, for Arsenal. She? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's good. Um, I'm not good. Um, <laughs> so I played for... So I was at Jordan Hill and Broomhill Primary Schools in Glasgow. Yeah, so yeah. I played for the west of Glasgow and then Glasgow City. So I captained the boys team of Glasgow football um, with a left foot, a centre back when I was, I must have been born nine or ten, I have no yeah. idea. Um, and I knew a lot bigger than everyone as well. Uh, yeah, probably. I was quite a late <laughs> like developer. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, I have no idea. Look, it's so long ago now. But it was, so my first sport was football. Absolutely loved it. Did you, um, did you play with anyone who went on to like play for... 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Don't know. No idea. <laughs> played with my sister, who's now a professional. So, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great fun. But yeah, I, I don't think I actually played a game for it. I think I was involved with training go to Ibrox and train oh. at their centres and I mean, Wikipedia system. makes it sound much better than that <laughs> <Wikipedia's> <laughs> you've, been, you've been doing well no, I'm you've not been on, on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. there that's your self-authored Wikipedia yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'll take you it, played definitely. cricket you played cricket for Scotland as well that's fun I, don't, I don't think I ever played for Scotland I think okay. I was in the Honestly, Scotland who, squads <laughs> I don't think I got camp. whoever's looking after your Wikipedia um, is doing a hell of a job <laughs> yeah well done that man whoever he is yeah were you at and then was Glasgow Aki's minis that you played was that like your yeah, that was yeah. my club. So yeah, yeah. I would play football on Saturdays and then I'd go to our Glasgow Minis on, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, ah, the dream. Again, mm. Well, living the dream, doubling up at the weekend. Yeah, but yeah. Again, you look now, again, being a dad now, and you look at the volunteers, people giving up their time, um, you know, basically looking after kids and teaching them cool school skills yeah, in rugby. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to look back and these guys gave up their time and helped us when we were kids. So I look forward to doing the same yeah, yeah, yeah. when we yeah. get back to Scotland and doing the same at Aki's yeah. in a few years' time. So then Glasgow, you left 2012. Yep. That and was after the peak Killer Bees moment. Yep. Yeah. Um, we didn't actually get to play together that much for Scotland. We, we played a lot together a for lot Glasgow. Glasgow yeah. um, and both good mates, good people, great fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we sort of complemented each other nicely, probably personality-wise. Very balanced back row. And on yeah. the pitch. Um, and yeah, so that was the sort of end of the, the Glasgow Good days, 2010, yeah. 2011, then off to Montpellier. What, what sort of drove that move? So they come after you or? But I'd always wanted to go. Right. So I can remember sitting on the couch being 15, 16, like as most of us do that yeah. probably listen to this podcast, love rugby. And I saw, I remember, I got a vivid memory sitting on the couch with my papa. Yeah. Watching Heineken Cup rugby and it was Biarritz or Toulouse. Yeah. We're on TV, sun was shining. These guys were out there having the time of their lives playing rugby, and I was like, "If I ever get the chance, yeah, yeah. I am gone." Yeah, um, and that was it. So I had one chance to go somewhere else when I was twenty-four, I think, but didn't go. And then when I was twenty-six, Fabian Galtier, who's now the French coach, yeah. he was head coach at um, Montpellier with Mario Ledesma, who was the forwards coach, oh, no. and they both rang and said, "Look, if you fancy, we'd love to take you." I think I had a decent Six Nations in two thousand ten or one of those years yeah. Fabian was a commentator slash coach oh, nice. and he said look if you want to come down we'd love to have you and that was it gone mm. absolutely wanted to change always wanted to experience it and that yeah. was when I was 15 like never thought it would be a reality that's amazing. and that's then amazing. as soon as you know once you get into the professional rugby bubble and you see the different teams that you can get yeah. to I was like well if this actually ever happens um, definitely going and that was a really straightforward decision How- to make was it sort of immediately like very different to, to Glasgow? What was sort Could of like not the, be what more was different. the, because <laughs> obviously France, France has this reputation as like not the most professional of environments oh, horrendous. Com- compared to, is horrendous. that, is that, is that true? It is horrendous. And I don't want to talk out of turn about every club, but sure. general of my, I've been there eight years. Yeah. yeah it yeah. could not be more different. Um, it's just, you, you think like if they sort it out, they could be like, oh, no, they, they, they'd they, never lose a but, game. But then that's why with this Gif turnaround, I'm like, that might be the first step. In, right. Yeah. But they're obviously 10 to 15 years behind England, who've had the EQB had for EQP a long time. For a while, yeah. yeah. But you, and again, I went out with my eyes wide open and then really quickly realized that it was so different. Um, what, what kind of things? What was like the, well, so the, the shock? So the, so the way rugby, you have to sort of understand the background. So the way rugby is run in Scotland is the federation runs it, yeah. right? Yeah. So Scottish rugby have an interest and they pay the players and look after them to be the best versions of themselves they can be so that Scottish rugby can fly. France is the exact opposite. So 
you basically got one bloke who wants to be famous and get on TV who sticks in money into a rugby club so that he can gain fame. Like you look at Altrad, yeah. like entrepreneur of the year, massive wealth. You're talking huge wealth, but mm. wanted recognition in different spheres. So right. bought a rugby club. Yeah. Bujalal and Toulon. Yeah, yeah. Guy made millions in comic books, wanted recognition, bought a rugby club. Yeah. They just want to be on TV. Mm. So the best interest for the player fundamentally isn't there. And they their view is short term, I buy the best players that I can get with the most amount of money. Yeah. Pay a coach, the rest of it'll figure itself out. So everything that's strength and conditioning, medical, the level of care you get, mm. rest, yeah, um, quality of training pitches, quality of infrastructure, everything. Over here or in Ireland, Wales or England, where people understand there's like a way of doing things and yeah. you treat people well, out there there's just nothing. Um, and so that was it. So I got out there. Fabian Galtier was probably the best attack coach that I ever worked with, mm. but just like a nasty man. Yeah. <laughs> just took pleasure in assassinating people, ruining yeah. careers, um, which if he did over here, you just wouldn't last a minute. And we always said back then, so in 2012, we were like, if that guy, he'd be ideal for the French team. So yeah. somebody that you could see for six weeks of the year, yeah, and then you don't have like the the worst thing was spending the whole, knowing that you had to spend a whole year with that guy. Yeah, yeah, um, and he he destroyed some players' careers. Like, was it not the story like him and Jim Hamilton had a big like a massive set too because he called he called him a dog or, or no? So there's so, so there's so many. So, <laughs> right. so like again, to be fair to Jim, like Jim after six months out there. Um, so I kind of loved it because I, I enjoyed the rugby aspect yeah. uh, as a like a ball playing back rower. Like I know where to get my hands on the ball. Fabian's yeah. a good coach, but yeah. I think other people need the sort of emotional connection and the, the sort of nurture and the looked at looking looking like, yeah. looked after. Whereas yeah. I quite enjoyed it. it was just kind of self start. You just get on with it and yeah. and, and do what you do. Um, to be fair to Jim, I mean Jim after six months was like this isn't me. Yeah. He took he took more than a fifty percent pay cut to come back to Saracens. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was on a really crazy contract in Montpellier. And to be fair to him, he stuck to his guns, stuck to his values. Yeah. Um, and I've got massive respect for him because, yeah, fair. like, great guy, loved Jim to bits. And that he just said, look, this isn't me. It's not all about the money. Um, and I need to go and do something different. Wow. And, and so he left. Um, but yeah, the story, a couple, um, some amazing stories with Fabian Galtier and Mario Ledesma. Yeah. Can you swear on this or not really? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I can remember we we're playing at Bayonne and, uh, like line out time, uh, Jim's in defensive line out. We're getting absolutely smashed. We decide to stay on the floor um, and just try and smash this mall because we're getting dicked. Um, yeah. And so the camera pans to Ledesma. At this time, it was on Sky Sports. So top 14 rugby's on Sky Sports. Jim, jump, you fucking <laughs> We pay you to jump, you <laughs> Live on TV. Everyone's families are back home looking at it. And that's just like a small indication of how you could be talked to and how you could be really? treated like and that was just normal yeah like that is reviewing after games reviewing during the week i remember props doing a scrummaging session ledesma shouting at people come on you fat fuck just think there's a cheeseburger behind the scrum go fucking fetch it you fat fuck just like horrible oh my god and you just like but you still had to do your best as a team yeah. to go out. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. this is, again, you just don't get this in the Anglo-Saxon world, but out there in, in France, it could be That's completely just the way different. it is. Um, yeah. And there were so many, like, the fist fights with Ledesma and our hooker, Charles Jelly, at the time. Like, just so many different little really? things that went on. Um, it's just wild. It was crazy. you got <laughs> Fabian Galtier. I remember, like, one of my mates, a hooker, Rassi Van Vuren. And he was trying to place us in a sort of defensive thing. And he yeah. was like, I didn't fucking tell you to stand there. Like grabbed him by the ear. Come here, you fat pig. Like oh grabbing him by the ear, like making squealing noise, like just completely degrading <laughs> people. Like horrendous. Really? And that, to be fair with Fabian, he was all right with me. Right. Because I understood what he wanted me to do. Yeah. I could do it. Yeah. And I did a good job for him. Yeah. Um, whereas if things weren't going well, they made your life hell. Um, which just doesn't happen back here. Yeah. Um, That's insane. So then you went... Cat from how long were you at Montpellier? Two years? Two years, then two years in cast. Cast. Then three and a half years in Bayonne. Um, did you think, did you find when you were in France that because of the different maybe style or anything, it made you like a, a better player? Yeah, 100%. In, in what so, way? So we went from, uh, so I went from the coaches that I worked with in, in Scotland were uh, Sean Lanine, uh, Latterly, um, Robo, the yeah. Scotland team. Um, and it was very much about the environment and the culture and working hard, which is great. Yeah. We did, like, we worked our backsides off, but the attack side and actually opportunities, way to break down offences, your understanding of how an attack work wasn't what I then got later on. So that was where I could really develop mm. 
how to be consistent that was a yeah, real thing yeah. for me because a lot of what we did was just you saw what you saw on a pitch and you went and tried to do it there was no real structure around it where yeah. you see now international rugby and professional rugby is really structured yeah um, and that was where fabian was ahead of his time is that he gave us a template to play with that made it really easy mm. um, and that was what i enjoyed so i understood more how i could get my hands on the ball how i could affect the game and be more consistent mm. and which before i really struggled with because we, yeah. we didn't have much of an idea and that was why like the glasgow side before and the Scottish side, to a certain extent as well, were quite inconsistent, were capable of achieving good things and then the next yeah. week disappointing. Yeah. Who who was in that? Who were sort of like the standout players in the Montpellier team when you were It was insane. There? Um, so my first year, my team, the hooker was Augustin Creevy. Yeah. The tight head was Juan Figalo. Yeah. Uh, second row, we had Mamuka Gorgodzi. <laughs> oh um, back row with me, there was Fuljunsu Uadrago. Yep. Um, who was our captain. Um, I'm trying to think who the other second rows were. Jim Hamilton came over. Um, a standoff was Francois Tranduc, who was unreal mm. at that time. I mean, insane. Yeah, Inside centre, we had Vine Andalifier, yeah, yeah. South African oh, World yeah, Cup winner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 13, we had Anthony Tuatavaki. Oh, yeah. my God. All black. Winger, you had Rennie Ranger. Um, so just like it went on. And it was wow. like, and again, but it was two or three deep with people that calibre. Yeah. yeah. Um, which again made it easy to play with because the level of understanding they had with a t- template was was class mm. to play with. So, um, but that's the cool thing about France is it's so diverse. As much as the coaching side can be cruel sometimes, yeah. the people that you play with and the friends you make out there are completely yeah. different. Yeah, um, different vibe and, and from completely different countries. So, mm. um, it was really cool. Yeah, great experience. And then sorry, and then cast after after that was that. A d- different different experience to Montpellier or sort of yeah completely different vibe so different town so Montpellier is southeast quite bling blingy beach clubs right cast is you know small town 40,000 people mm. countryside yeah. hard-working farmers bit of pharmaceuticals obviously with Pierre Fabre um but completely different mentality was that um, when Richie and were Max was Max yeah. there at the time so I, yeah? so I had a year with Max and I had two years with Richie oh nice which was cool. great fun um, and the great thing about Cast is because it's such a small town, there's not that much to do. So you basically find yourself every weekend in somebody's garden having a barbecue. Oh, nice. Um, which was just a great way socially to mm. bind everyone together. Um, and yeah, a great little part of the world as well. Not much going on, but really yeah, yeah. Yeah. picturesque and safe. Did you win, win the top 14 then? No, so I arrived, just... I arrived the year after they'd won it. Yeah, okay. Um, and then laterally at Bayon, completely different vibe again. So southwest coast. Mm. Um, there's three kilometers between Bayonne and Biarritz. Yeah. So that's, I think, as close to my dream as I got of <laughs> yeah. getting to Biarritz. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but right next to it, um, different mentality. Again, very transient sort of surf town. Right. Um, so you get a lot of Aussies, South Africans, oh, nice. Kiwis dropping through, but active paddle boarding, surfing, yeah. great part of the world mm. and a sort of more open-minded mentality, I would say. Right. And you had... What, one season in Prodi De or two? Was that all Prodi De? Uh, first, once I signed in, they were top 14. Yeah. But I had an absolute shocker. <laughs> yeah. Bad squad, bad year, bad budget. Went down and then we got back out of Prodi De. So my last... Yeah, you were. Yeah, my last game was getting them back out um, and winning our Prodi De and getting them back into top 14, which was great. Decent great way, way to finish. Decent way to end it. Well, that's it. I think as well, the amount of people that get to finish on that kind of note is very, very small. So... Mm. I mean, a lot of my mates have had to retire at age 21 with injury yeah. or not being selected and dropped out of academy or you do a really bad knee injury. Um, so to go as long as I had gone, like 16 years of pro rugby was... Yeah, that's was, amazing. Yeah, I feel really lucky. Yeah. And then to finish like that, you know, with my wife and my kids in the stand, sunny day in Po, um, after having done that for Bayonne was, was, was great. Great was good as you get, so. Yeah, it was great fun. And to have them on the pitch, to have the photo yeah. and the memory, we'll have that forever. Um, so really weird. it seems it always seemed like you guys really like bought into the French just French lifestyle and everything did did you think about like putting roots down there or were you always sort of keen to come back um, well we're still there yeah um, so geez going back to the start like we I guess our family is kind of francophile like we would that would be our go-to for holiday when we were young. We, yeah. would, we would drive down, get the boat across and go camping. That mm. was that was what we did. Right. My, my papa's the exact same. So always sort of had an affinity um, for the country. Um, being there young, you sort of see the weather, their love for sport. I remember being in a camping site for the 98 World Cup. Right. I had like, oh, a, tri- good. I had like a trickle or on my <laughs> face. I still got the photo. That's amazing. Um, and I don't know, just like that. And then seeing Heineken Cup rugby, I was like, if I ever get the chance to come back here, I'm doing it. And then... 
ended up in Montpellier, like one of my first games was with the guy Shantaine Happy. Yeah. He used to play yeah, 12. Yeah. And Francois Tranduc says, all right, what, like in French, he's like, oh, Chandel, Chandel. And I was like, fuck, that guy's got your name wrong. That's so rude. Yeah. <laughs> you should at least make the effort to learn your name. But I didn't realize Chandel was named for like a high kick. Right. Oh. So Shantae and I are stood like holding each other's hands, standing around, and he, we get our balls kicked in the meeting on Monday because we haven't chased, but we didn't know the the word. And that was it. I realised then that if I was going to make a good, good go language. of it, I had to integrate. Yeah, I had yeah. to sit with Frenchies. Had to speak the language, um, and that was it. So after like really intense, like in France, you quite often get as well. You get the foreigner sitting on one side of the room and the Frenchies on the other. Right. And I just decided, look, if I'm going to do this properly, I just sat with the Frenchies every day. Yeah. Um, built up my vocabulary little by little, and then after about a year, a year ended up capturing Montpellier in the Heineken Cup games and. They trusted me to lead in French. Wow. Um, and that's it. It's been eight years now. Mm. Um, our kids are both born there. We've applied for our French passports. Wow. Um, so yeah, like we absolutely love it. We've, yeah. We bought a house just outside Biarritz. We're happy where we are. Mm. Um, and so now we're trying to plan on, on getting back and how we're going to do that. And yeah, different yeah. working options, but it's been great fun. It's yeah. a great part of the world and we absolutely love it. I spoke, spoke about working options. You're doing comms this weekend. Is that what we're going to see you doing much more of or? Um, hopefully, I, I don't consider it work. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's the same like sitting around with your schoolmates or your mates at the rugby club and you're talking about rugby. And that's something I've loved doing yeah. since I was eight. Now. You're just watching it live. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just watching it live and like somebody's stupidly paying me to be there. Um, <laughs> so I don't consider it work. I, I'm really enjoying it. It's just the start. I don't know if I'm going to be any good. But yeah. I'd love to explore it and see yeah. where it goes. Yeah. I started a bit of leadership consultancy, which is cool. Nice. Um, so working with a couple of exec teams, helping them, you know, team effectiveness, team culture, cool. that kind of stuff, which has been great fun. Yeah. Um, and then I think further down the line, a nine to five, but actually none of my mates work nine to five. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's working really hard. So yeah, yeah. try and look and build my way into something more serious as time goes on, I think. But just really enjoying it just now. It's been great just to have a little break um, yeah. enjoy a bit of family time and enjoy a different mm. couple aspects of working life. It's been really cool. Are you uh, doing some, some commentary in French as well? Yeah, so I did I did Bordeaux Edinburgh for BBC Scotland, but then afterwards did the debrief for Canal Plus and for RMC right. and RTL two. And then so next week I'm going up and doing um Bordeaux Toulouse in French. That'll be my first one full eighty minute or in French. Wow. That's um, amazing. But it's just it's quite weird. Like I not, like go to I go to speak about rugby in English now, and quite often French words come out just because it's great <laughs> yeah. for eight years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to it. It's a good challenge. It'd be a nice niche. Yeah, um, and something completely different to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you ever think about um, coaching? Um, I did, and I think I really would have loved it. Um, but there's some really clear cut things about it, especially in France, that don't appeal to me. Um, right. I think as a player it's quite selfish because when you have a wife and you have kids, like it's not a permanent contract. You sign a two or three year contract and you essentially have to pack up bags and move Yeah, yeah. at the end of that contract. Um, and I think that selfishness has run its course. So if you flip that into a coaching perspective in France or in England, you sign a four year contract. Realistically, you could last six months. Yeah. And I didn't want that hanging over me for my yeah. wife and for my yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when they get to a school age, I don't want to put them into school. They yeah. make friends and then I have to, I have to pull them out, rip yeah. them out yeah, after yeah. six months. So yeah, yeah. I quite like a bit more stability for my family after rugby. And that, that was the sole reason that I decided not to coach. Mm. Um, but I would really enjoy coaching, you know, at a kid level or, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. developing kids to get better mm. or technical line out stuff. Or, yeah. um, so I look forward to adding value in that respect, maybe mm. further down the line, yeah, but definitely yeah. not at a pro level. Yeah. Have you, have you ever sort of been brought in as like a mentor for, Scotland camp or anything like that for, so I'm for actually, someone like Matt Fagerson. I think I'm doing a little bit, well, even with younger kids now. So right. I think I'm going over to Marcusi with the Scotland under 18 squad, oh, um, nice. which will be in April. So we're looking forward to that. Where's Marcusi? Is that uh, Paris. Paris. Oh, okay. Um, so looking forward to that. I'll also be going over and doing a bit in Nice. Um, I think I'll be doing a little bit in Nice and South East France and helping them. Yeah. And yeah, just little bits and bobs. Um, like I love doing that that's the best bit honestly about getting older as much as you know it's going to finish is mm-hmm. you get to help and so I loved Give working with back. the academy boys in Bayonne yeah. uh, same in Cass same in Montpellier because mm. there's little things that you learn or you can share from different environments that they haven't been exposed to so 
um, that's been great fun. I, yeah. I really loved that. Um, and I'll hopefully keep it going. Mm. Awesome. Well, we've been chatting for almost an hour. Finish up with a few, not quick fire, but things like your, who's the best player you ever played for? Mm. Played with? For? Played um, with. This is probably three. Yeah, go on. Uh, so Francois Tranduc. Yeah. He's really battled with injuries the past couple of years, but yeah. he was insane. I remember him, that, remember that try he scored chart. against the All Blacks? Insane. Where he took it off pick and rolls and he ran through like six players. Um, and I think France, did France win that game? I can't remember. But yeah, um, he was insane. Absolutely could do everything again. Like physical, as like amazing passer, amazing kicker, um, good reader of the game. Mm. Really easy to play with. Yeah. Physical as well. Really? Um, so Francois definitely. Um, another 10, but I actually didn't get to play with him that much. It was Finn. Yeah. So, I played a few games with Finn, but you could see even in those early right stages that career, yeah. he was ridiculous. And it's really cool. Like, like, so for me, again, I get to watch all of his games in France. So yeah. I know people won't see many of his games, yeah, yeah. but he is the best player in France. Really? He's the best player and the highest respected player in is France. That right a, is that a generally held sort 100%, of 100%. 100%. And before, so his predecessor was Dan Carter, and they're just like, there's no comparison. What he does at racing week in, week out is world class. Yeah. Mm. Um, so two tens, Francois, Finn, I didn't get to play much with Finn, but, yeah, but you asked who I yeah, played yeah. with, Take played it, with Finn. Yeah. Yeah. And Hoggy. Um, yeah. Again, the things that you can create out of nothing, um, a freak. It's just insane. Footwork, pace. Again, even at a really early age, I remember him, he put Thierry Dussetoire on his backside like Thierry Dussetoire was clutching God. air. Yeah. Um, that's going back years and he's been doing it consistently for Glasgow, for mm. Scotland and probably now for Exeter yeah. and the British Lions, obviously. Yeah. You're happy yeah. to see him as Scotland captain? I think that's yeah. a good cho- choice? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and again, it shows how far he's come. Like, I can remember his first games for Glasgow. Like, he's wired. Hoggy's amazing. He's a great guy, but he's absolutely mental at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, his first games for Glasgow, I remember being hotel room with him, hotel, hotel, hotel room with him in Cardiff. And I woke up at one in the morning, or half one in the morning. Yeah. And he was on the end of my bed pretending to be a dog. What? I was like, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> like, slapped him, going back into bed, and he was sleepwalking, half one in the morning. Half three in the morning, same thing, wake up. He's pretending to piss on the curtains <laughs> at the bottom of the room. Pretending. Yeah, pretending. There was no actual sure. piss, don't worry. Um, but just, you know, he's got these magic little, and he's just such a happy bloke, chirpy, up for a yeah. good laugh. Um, but there's a real serious drive to him as well. Like oh, yeah. driving standards, yeah. sets very high standards for himself, for performance, yeah. for his team. Um, and that comes across in the way he plays. He's now become a leader over time. Yeah. It was great also for him to have Greg Laidlaw yeah to have he's got a really close relationship mm. um and for greg to have sort of oh, borders yeah sort of trailblazer and, and sort of coached them all through yeah. to that role so it'd be great for hoggy to come through and make it his yeah. own but he's undoubtedly our best player the yeah. first name on the, first team, name sheet. the team sheet yeah. Yeah. um it was Garant. heartbreaking when he got that that freak injury in the last yeah, line exactly because yeah, yeah. he would have been starting then exactly that's, you know that's like stratospheric sort of rugby level yeah, if you're test. starting for the lines mm. test test like. line and mm. There's no doubt he he will do that again 100%. So those would be my three guys. Yeah. Um, Favourite game for Glasgow? <laughs> First play, day did you play in that game where you guys beat Toulouse away? No. You're not playing that? No. <laughs> no favourite games. Uh, <laughs> so long ago, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Or go on then, favourite game for Scotland then? Uh, favourite game with Scotland is probably, I mean, we had great fun, like touring different countries yeah. and flying around the world and being an ambassador for Scottish rugby was amazing. Um different events I mean part of the Six Nations event beating Ireland away in 2010 um, I mean great fun yeah. probably like, your I most get, famous moment barreling over Lions so lads good. But, again, but again it was completely unstructured play yeah. team play um, turnover, keeping yeah. the ball alive um, and was lucky to get on the end of it but just like the memory of like it was a poor tournament we didn't have a good tournament but to end on a high to win away yeah, Parksy knocking that one over yeah. from exactly the another yeah. great guy Mental. you know um, but to win away in that manner at that time when we weren't playing great rugby was fantastic and like yeah. great night out afterwards I bet yeah um, last memory of being like going through horse and cart with bestie Rory Best yeah. like, I think with our wife's last games <laughs> we're smoking cigars like ridiculous memories <laughs> that you know will last a lifetime yeah. and that's what rugby's yeah, yeah, all yeah. about so yeah. Um, yeah great tournaments great people and great fun so good and what do you think how do you think Scotland are going to do this year? It all will come down to their first two games. 
Um, Ireland, England, not easy. Yeah, so Ireland away. Um, and generally, though, you look at the tournament, there's a lot of teams going through transition. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, a lot of coaching staff changing. There might be a few key changes in personnel also for a couple of teams. So Scotland are as stable as they have been in a long time. Yes, there's some fresh faces in, but I don't think the team's going to change too much. No. Uh, your stars are going to be guys that have been there for a long time. Everybody knows Gregor. They know what to expect. They know how they're going to play. Ireland first up, Andy Farrell. Look, don't get me wrong. They're going from having Joe Schmidt, probably the world's best coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. If not top two, three coaches in the world past 10 years. Like, they're in transition. So, mm. it'll be interesting to see. A lot of injuries to, as well. Yeah no, yeah, no Johnny Sexton for that. So, if he wants game. to rip up the playbook and try something completely different whilst missing key personnel and a new coach. Um, so, you just never know. You just have to hope that we start well. Yeah. Um, and, and try and sneak something that first game. But, you know, masses of pressure on that first game. Mm. Um, and so, so, fingers crossed. Unbelievable. Anything else, Matt? We'll be done. Um, yeah, I think that's that's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks join, so much. Thanks very much for joining us, giving us some time on on a Sunday morning. Pleasure. <laughs> all right, and uh, for all you listening out there, keep in touch with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod, and no one sent us an email in like three weeks. So can somebody <laughs> send one to the Thistle Rugby at gmail dot com, and we'll give you a prize. First one in the inbox. All right, cheers, lads. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.